0: he turns he fires
1: for the win he's got the bucket at the buzzer We're back to bibby has the open shot and yes! ladies and gentlemen up on those feet put those hands together and we'll meet tonight starting five for your...
0: Welcome to the King's Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, your King's Insider for ESPN 1320 and the King's Beat. Joining me, ABC 10's Sean Cunningham. Sean. James. It's, a, it's an emotional <laughs> Tuesday. It's an emotional day. <laughs> Is We're, it? Let's, let's do this, Sean. Let's do this.
1: Let's dive in, shall we? I uh, I I, I got to be honest, as much as I enjoy um, this podcast, first of all, good to see you. Um, yep, good to see you. I was like... I think I've only had one other time when I was like, Hey, can we talk anything other than the Kings <laughs> and it's yeah. kind of, kind of like where we're at. Like there's uh, yeah, they're not fun right now.
0: Yeah. We could talk, uh, we could talk Niners. We could talk Raiders. Uh, we right. could just, you know, just completely go sideways here. I think I've got that, all kinds of movie reviews and like, yeah, series there we go. That yeah. I think, uh, you know, sadly. Sean, that might've been the most uh, disappointing thing about Sunday Um, I, you know, I, I showed a picture on Twitter of my, my two screen, uh, TV experience, which I always have, um, typically on a Sunday, I have red zone on one TV and I have, you know, the standard game, which whatever the best game is of the week on, on either, you know, on either station, uh, on my other screen. Um, but because, you know, it was a King Sunday as well. Um, I had the Niner game rolling all the way up until King's time. And then the Raiders game started right before. And so I I had two TVs going the whole time and to see the highest highs of, of both the 49ers and the Raiders and see these just epic comebacks, these epic battles that are instant classics. I mean, really just some really, really high quality stuff. And then to flip it over (laughs) and just be like punched in the face I think that that added to sort of, well, certainly I think it added to my frustration and my disgust um, of watching the Kings play because like, as a, as a media member, we're supposed to be neutral. We're just supposed to cover the facts, but that doesn't mean that you don't on a certain on certain days, just think, man, I am just wasting my time, you know? And, And I think that that's where we've gotten like, not all the time with this team, but certainly enough times this season where it's just it's frustrating, Sean. It it this is uh, this is one of those seasons where like I, I don't know that I've seen the team get to this point this early with any talent. Like if you don't have talent, that's one thing. If you do have talent, so I, I don't know. Like was Sunday? I, I we keep talking about the low point. Was Sunday one of the lowest points? Because it, I, I don't think it was the lowest point as far as like the worst that they've played. But it might have been the lowest point for Kings fans who are also Bay Area, Northern California,
1: Sacramento sports fans. Before I answer that question, um, yeah, bu- buckle up, because the Kings play Sunday at 3 o'clock against the Houston Rockets for the second straight time because they have the Houston Rockets at home on Friday and then they get them again on Sunday. And the Niners are at 125. And Like last night, there, you know, during the Cavs game, which there might have been 10,000 people in the building. There certainly wasn't the 12,000 I think they announced. Sean, that was (laughs) 6,000, 7,000.
0: No, I I don't think I'm like we had we had a game that was bad where they announced it at 15 and I heard that it was 8,200. Right. Um, It came through the turnstile and that game was way less than any game that I had seen. That was in one of,
1: in one of the upper sections. And in fairness, I always say that if you're going, if you have a seat in the upper section, like don't even go, just, just don't go go to the game. Just don't (laughs) go (laughs) by all means, go to the game. Don't report to your section um, unless you want to take like a crazy picture of how high up you are, uh, because you can just stand on the concourse. You know, you could go to the draft house if you want, but I, I would just stand along the concourse Cause that view is just so much better and you don't you, they allow it it's wide open and you can do it. So, um, but no, I, I thought, you know, in all fairness, I was like, you know, there's no football. There is a national championship and Sacramento doesn't give a damn about college football. So I didn't think that that was a thing, but they're running Very a thing, true. literally like to get fan engagement and fan involvement and get them loud, you know, show the, the split screen of here's a 49ers logo. Here's a Cowboys logo. Which one do you like more? And then when guys are at the free throw line, they're showing the Cowboys <laughs> logo to get people to boo. Uh, I thought it was creative. Good job, game night staff. Um, but, you know, people are going to be wanting to watch that game. And uh, I think the draft house is going to be the place to be if you have tickets to Sunday's uh, Kings game and you decide that you actually want to go to the game to see the the red-hot Houston Rockets for a second straight night. Um, hey, it's possible man. by
0: that point that the Kings could be playing the Rockets for last place in the Western Conference.
1: Right, right. Well, I think and if you're, if you're if you're the Kings, you're just hoping that just by three o'clock, you just hope maybe the 49ers are just blowing out the Cowboys or vice versa. <laughs> you know, like that that way people are actually paying attention to you because um yeah, are James, you I'm gonna
0: because I'm not sure that you want people paying attention to what's maybe
1: happening. Maybe you there. don't. No, I mean there is there is an argument to be made that possibly you don't, but low <laughs> point of the season, James. Uh I would say probably not, only because as we've said on this podcast before and i get to i get to quote taylor taylor swift here which is uh now i'm forgetting the lyric what only kills you makes you stronger (laughs) no not that one and that's kelly clarkson come on yeah whatever no it's uh we've seen this film before and we didn't like the ending it's from her exile song and it's uh look i 've been dis- I think of as a fan, you've been disappointed by this team and maybe what lied ahead in the co- terms of competitive nature, the spirit and the pride that, that you hoped existed with the talent of this team months ago. Um, pos- possibly even before Luke Walton got fired. Um, but now here you're in the midst of a five game losing streak. It is the longest streak of the season, but I don't think there was any moment in this season where we thought that they weren't going to lose five straight um oh, i think no. we definitely definitely anticipated that so yes to me it's all you know i hate to always go back to preseason predictions but if you anticipated this team not being very good or hovering around 500 which we can't even say anymore they're 11 games out of 500 and i think as you pointed out last night to me james is like no i mean like they project to be 19 games under 500 by the time the season ends um, but the odd part is just the way the west is like you're still just <laughs> A handful of games in the West, like if, if I you're, I think
0: they're a game and a half out of out of the eighth spot. I mean, well, on the, the 10 spot right now, and
1: the separation between like t- where they are at eleven or twelve to what they could be at like six, maybe even five. It's just like a handful of games, so it's so yeah. strange. I think you're going to start to see that separation though, um between like right now it's like one through four. There's the separation. One through three has a real good separation. Four or five, you know, whatever. Well, but no, like the I
0: think Grizzlies are are scaling the wall, like yeah. they're they're in. They're like, hey, we got this. And right. then after that, you know, you've got your Lakers, your Clippers, your your Nuggets. You get some some teams that should be better than they are. But um, well, I don't know if the Clippers should be better than they are. But yeah, it, it's a mess. The whole standings are a mess. And I, I mean, again, the Kings, I, I think they're they're four and a half games out of last place at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm not joking. They could be in last yeah. place by Sunday. Right, and and this week and. Goes
1: you're closer to last place now but i also feel like that 10 and that 7 like area like yeah. i really feel there's going to be separation there within the next couple of weeks and you know it, it, it you're already starting to see it and so they they're kind of that that whole goal of well play in tournament playoffs that's our goal you know you can poke holes in that goal all you want but if that's their goal they're still there so it's still in reach and, and yeah, you're just hoping that Monty McNair can come in and and save them from themselves because uh, we already know this isn't, this ain't it. (laughs) And uh, it, it and certainly this team's capable of rattling off maybe a four game winning streak, a four game, five game winning streak, winning, you know, possibly seven of 10, eight of 10 in a stretch. And if they do that, you know, it puts them right back in, but like, it's just fool's gold. Like even if you do that, who cares? Like you're still a team that just toils with, mediocrity so it's not it's not something that's sustainable so yeah you really need to do something unless you're just committed to being very mediocre to very very bad to possibly the worst team in the league because you're five you're you know you're four and a half games from that um you know it, it just it all just depends on how you look at it and I think right now they're setting themselves up for a real big disappointment because I feel like what would be worse, James, to be the worst team in the league or to be the team that even misses out on the postseason tournament and you get 11th? Like, I think that's probably worse.
0: Well, I, I mean, I, I said it on d and Casey yesterday. Like, this team can't even lose, right? <laughs> right like, they're, right. they're not even good at losing. So, so I don't even, you know, that's, that's a problem. They, they always have this mentality. Oh, you know what? We're not just going to go full tank. We're, we're going to play it out the best we can. We're going to try to get our, our young guys out there and do some stuff, but we're not just going to throw away games because that's bad for the culture. Like, uh, first of all, what culture? Uh, the culture of losing is what you have. It, mm-hmm. And it's like permeated this, this franchise forever. At this point, it's absolutely atrocious to watch what's happening. And I think, you know, Sean, like we'll get to like the, like I hammered the Kings on, on Sunday night and I think it wasn't. It wasn't just strictly on that game. It was the fact that you're playing a team without Damian Lillard, without C.J. McCollum, without uh, Norman Powell. So their top three scores are gone, and and so you know that that Anthony Simons is is coming to play. That that's what he's been doing the whole time when given an opportunity, and you gave him wide open threes the entire game. Like just the worst defensive structure I've ever seen. So either you have like 10 of the the just most boneheaded playing basketball players of all time that can't figure out something and can't make adjustments, or you have a really bad system, or you have a mixture of both somewhere along the way. But I just don't get it, Sean. You you knew there's one guy. It's like if, like, it's this simple. If LeBron James is coming into town, you know that LeBron James is going to do all the damage. Like, that's where a team like, Portland was they've quit on the season completely. They don't want to be in the 10th spot. And all of a sudden they've lucked into the 10th spot right now. They're a game and a half up on the Kings in the 10th spot. They don't want it. They want to shut down Damian Lillard for the rest of the season. They want to trade off most of their other pieces and start over fresh uh, next season with a completely different roster. They're trying to give it up and you walk in there and lose by what was it? 15 And to me, that's where it came to a point where, like, we've seen this song and dance, like what you're saying, you know, that that's what I wrote on Monday was like, we've seen this song, we've seen this, we just don't see it in game 42. (laughs) And that's, that's the embarrassing thing, Sean, like, that's where I came at them hard, because it's like, this is game 42. This isn't game, like 75, which is what I asked Ty. Like, right. why are you guys playing with no competitive fire? It's game, you're acting like it's game 75 and you're a team who's losing and just cashing it in. Like, what is going on? And and I just don't think they have an answer. Like, I watched Ty walk off the court last night after Chemezi Metu uh, got the the technical foul for throwing the ball at the the stanchion in like a critical moment in the fourth quarter. And he just walking off the court, shaking his head and just like, how many dumb mistakes like how many times do we have to do something stupid and uh, like it's brutal. So so that's why I like I don't think I was unfair because I'm watching this. I've, I've seen 12 years of Sacramento Kings basketball. I can see when a team lets go. I can see when a team quits. It's not hard when you've been there as many times as we have as many games as you and I have both Sean, you know when they've quit and I watched Sunday and I just thought, my goodness, were they trying to get back to the locker room to see what's going to happen to the Raiders game?
1: Like,
0: (laughs) like what's going on? Like you guys just look like you, you flat out quit.
1: Yeah. I look, my only thing is I don't have a problem with the way you asked. I could just tell, and maybe it's just because I know you, I knew you were pissed. Like I knew you were pissed. And I think that's probably the, the problem that I had, because again, like, and again, this is nitpicking, you know, I'm not, trying, I'm not <laughs> where trying to hammer, remain stoic.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm not,
1: I'm not trying to hammer James because look, there's, we're in an era of journalism where like rules of journalism that you might remember from the eighties and Walter Cronkite days. And even before that, like that, that, they don't exist anymore. So um there really is no rules other than you hope that people remain objective. And yeah. so whether the team wins, loses, disappointment, embarrassing, whatever, I, I could be laughing and jovial and having a good time in that media room. And that's kind of the the vibe you're supposed to, it's, it, it's the, you're, you're almost showing that no matter what y'all do as a basketball team, you don't affect me, you don't impact yeah. me. And uh, so <laughs> not being on that Zoom because, it, you know, the tough part was uh, Sunday night getting our show together on ABC 10 and uh, the three o'clock games are, are great. The six o'clock games really are a struggle. So uh, I wasn't able to jump in that Zoom. I probably could have. Uh, but after watching that game, I said, this is just not worth my time. In fact, the game wasn't worth uh, my time. You yeah. know, as someone who has to cover like all these different things, you know, I, I was just like, this is it's a blessing that this game wasn't played on the home floor. It's a blessing that they're in Portland and that I, I can ignore this game tonight. Um, ignore the game from the sense of having to cover it from a post game standpoint on a zoom call and ask them what the hell just happened in Portland. <laughs> but uh, you, you, I could just tell that you were pissed off. And so maybe that's just the problem that I had And to, I'll take it a step further um i you don't even know this i didn't tell you this you know last night pregame uh i've been i i was i was out kind of watching some pregame warm-ups talking to some people <laughs> and t- and i saw um ty walked by me after his pregame warm-up and i just kind of pulled him aside for a second i was like I was like hey man were you bothered by that question last night and he knew which question i was talking about i didn't even have to you know go there and he says and and he says he says no he's like no of course not if i'm bothered by that question i'm you know the, he basically insinuated that he's that just shows a fragility he's like no it's a fair question he's like he's like he's right he's right <laughs> you know, it's just the, the bottom line is he's right so again and he's also a very young guy in this league so I wanted to kind of ask like where's his head out one of the things I was going to ask some of the personnel and some of the players was like again I still feel the Philly game was the worst loss this season I think we say it every podcast <laughs> but I kind of thought I was like should I even ask them like, is this the worst it's been for you guys? Like, is this, and I, th- cause I felt like I was going to get the athlete cliche, even just pulling a guy aside and talking to him for a second because every loss, you know, the, the recent loss is the worst loss, right? They That's just yeah. kind of how they're, they're, most professional athletes are are kind of geared and wired to think about. But last night did have a weight to it. And I think certainly it's in the conversation. It's still a road game. It's still, you know, I think you can kind of get lost in the minutia of it all and just don't, it's just a poor game, but it was still there. It was still there for the taking for the most part. And then it just unraveled. And um, yeah, man, it's something about these games where they don't have their, their star players and there's, they just let down, they, they don't go in there with the, with the pressure of you should win this game, you know? And I hate saying that, but it's almost like they just expect to win.
0: It does It feels yeah, like the, that they and, think that they're better than they are and they, they expect to win. And I'll say this too. Like, like, I, I don't think my question, like, I think I was blunt, but I also <laughs> think that um, you were
1: pissed, bro. You were pissed. You're like, well, you just, you people wasted my
0: time. <laughs> well, no, but I'm going to say this. Like, I, I think that being completely objective. Yeah. That question had to be asked and it had to be asked hard because mm-hmm. We're at that point. We're not at some point where you can sugarcoat and, and try to slide around it. Like it is what it is. Like if anything else, that might have been like one of the more like blunt, straightforward. Like I- I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dance around this. I'm gonna tell you that this is what this looks like. And while I might be pissed, uh, it's it's that that's where we are. You've mm-hmm. pushed me to a point where. Objectively speaking, this is who I have to be moving forward. Like, I have to call you out every single game from this moment on because that's how bad you are. And that's not how bad you should be. And I'm not saying that they should be like eight games over 500. This team should not be this bad. They should not be 11 games under 500. That is, that is absolutely like, it's inexcusable. Like, at this point, you should not be this bad. And so I think from my point of view like this is who we have to be. This is who we have to be going forward because if not like like no, who's holding these guys accountable for this? Like you're looking in the stands, we're not joking. 6 or 7,000 fans. Like mm-hmm. that's accountability. That's you know who's accountable for that? The owner. The owner is is feeling that that the product on the floor is costing him money. Good feel it because I think you're going to feel it worse, you mm-hmm. know, and of the, you know, couple of thousand fans that are in there. So many of those are given away tickets at this point, we're talking two, 3000 tickets. And I saw season ticket holders having discussions on Twitter today. They're like, why am I paying 200 bucks for a seat? And this franchise is giving away my seat for 50 bucks. They're certainly not giving me a hundred dollars back. They're not giving me 150 bucks back for my seat. But here they are these people are sitting next to me that paid 50 dollars for their seat from the franchise. Yeah. not from a secondary ticket source because like yeah Gotta secondary secondary ticket sources they're not they're not buying these tickets. This is like a, a mess. and I'll, I'll say this that, that,
1: too. that's a situation where it's like direct TV or something like that where it's like man, they got me in at this price now my price is up to this. but like no one's calling me to try to lower it. And it's like, well, no, because they, they, they have your money. <laughs> they, they have your money. Yeah. They're like, they can, I mean, a good, you would hope that a good company would call you and say, hey, you're paying too much. Why don't we try and get you over here? It's like, oh, well, this is your programming package. So Well, yeah, like,
0: tough. that's a good point. TV. I was at 190 bucks a month. I, I switched to YouTube TV. I pay 65 a month and I never look back. Do they send mm-hmm. me stuff in the mail? Sure, they do. We want you back. I throw it away. Heck yeah, I do. Yeah, you want me back? Of course you do. do you want me to pay? three times what I should be paying for the same thing that I can get somewhere else. So, um, and I'll say this too, this is one thing that like we did on a little, I saw a little bit on Twitter um, someone uh, uh, Christopher, like uh, they just had a baby Uh, shout out to Christopher, one of our our Kings beat folks. Um, He just had a baby and uh, they couldn't go to a game. And he said, Hey, I've got uh, two tickets to the game. If anyone wants to go. And then someone put into the into my thread, hey, like I'd really love to take my son. We only got to take him when he was one. He's been begging us to take him. He's like four or five. And someone else reached out to that guy and said, hey, I got you. I've got uh, extra tickets on Friday and on Sunday. I'll treat you whichever game you want. That's the point where we're that's at, cool. I, I believe. I think that's, that's where, awesome. Like if you're a Kings fan and you're a season ticket holder, Like and and you can't bear to watch or you can't sell your tickets, find a family, go on My Timeline, go on wherever you want. You'll find places. Go in your neighborhood. Find a family that can't afford to go to games. Bite the bullet and let someone else go. If you're just going to waste the tickets, let someone else go because you never know you might spark someone to become a Kings fan. You might give someone – you might brighten their day. You might like make a difference in somebody's uh and what's happening with them you know brighten their mood and and show a little good spirit um so so that's what i would suggest because i think that's where we're at like my son still wants to go to games all the time um you know we still show up every game and and like for me like hey there's no question whether i'm going or not i'm going to show up just like i'm going to sit here and watch the game while they're on the road and and hop on the zoom and ask tough questions. That's, that's the job that we're in. And, and uh, that's responsibility that I don't take lightly. And, and so I'm going to keep doing it. Uh, And, but I I think that there is a way to like, be generous and, and make this into a positive a little bit for some people, especially if you can afford to, and and you're just going to waste your tickets, find someone else to go and, and give someone else a shot. And maybe they'll have a really good time where you won't, because it's different when you don't go to games all the time
1: yeah i i mean i can't say much more than that i completely agree i will say though you know to kind of bring it back to a basketball personnel discussion like these people who think that you know monty mcnair just has to do something like again i think i use the analogy he's not just playing video games eating pizza in his in his office like you know these are it's really difficult to make franchise altering moves it's really difficult to make any move you know and it's uh there's a lot that goes into that. And I do think that there's this, this attitude around some fans or this narrative that this guy just isn't doing anything that he's just not trying. It's like, you know, this guy's jobs on the line, like all these people's jobs are on the line. I think Ty, there was two things that stood out to me with Ty that I wanted to point out uh, that he said post game last night, which is a game like the Cavs where I think people would think that, Oh, there was a better effort than what we saw in Portland. I would agree with that, Mm -hmm. but I would also, but he would point out, no, we just made shots. And to me, I'd say, well, yes, you made shots, but on behalf of you guys not making shots in Portland and struggling to shoot like you did, because again, James, they, they struggled to shoot the ball. They, they were hovering around 30%, 30, 35 to 40% for most of the game. Uh, I think they were one time. of,
0: they were one of 13 from three uh, to start the game on Sunday.
1: Yeah, and then Buddy gets hot and then Ty gets hot and you know they end up with like 12, I think at one point. I think they finished with maybe 14, I'm not sure. But point being is like, yeah, you may have made shots, but your inability to make shots <clears throat> in the in the in Portland showed a quit among you guys. Like, oh well, we can't hit a we can't hit anything. You know, that's the difference. And so, you know, in talking to people, it's like it's funny, like how sometimes when people just say, Well, the effort isn't there. And oftentimes that that can be true. Like I can see teams go in and still have that, still have the same effort, make shots and win a game. Right? You can have a team go in there with an effort, miss shots. The missed shots take away now the effort, and that's what we see with this team where bad defense begats bad offense, and then here comes the sulk, here comes the quit, here comes where those moments where those run becomes 14 becomes 21 you know that that's what people are talking about and when Ty talked about well in this game we just made shots it's like well no you made shots and as a result of making shots it had a positive impact defensively look at the stops they made down the stretch I mean oh against the Cavs yes
0: yeah no they didn't give up I, I I think they held the Cavs scoreless in like almost the last three minutes right
1: the competitiveness was absolutely there against yeah. a team that is a complete anomaly in the, in today's NBA. Yeah. Like, like, and it, and it works, it works for them. There was never a point in that game, James, that, the, well, before halftime, there was never a point in that game that I thought the Kings were going to win that game. There just wasn't. Nope. No, and I agree with you. They, they made you a believer in the second half. Um, yeah. And or at and least I think I, they
0: made it competitive where you at least were having a good time watching it.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. and to the point where, you know, I think at one point I looked over at you and I said, um, because the first half was really kind of dreadful, um, where I said, I think this team has gotten so in their head about the third quarter. All they care about is having a good third quarter and be damn the rest of the game, yeah. you know, but it did translate to a nice competitive fourth quarter. Um, the other thing that Ty said post game that I wanted to hit on real quick was he 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 said it where it's like, we have to be able to compete. We have to be able to hit shots. We have to be able to do these things or else they're going to find people who will. And it's not just the, I thought it was a nice little nugget. It's almost as if somebody had talked to them. Now, I don't know if it's going to be, you know, I don't know if it was necessarily Alvin Gentry. Maybe it was Monty McNair who spoke to the team Wes, Will Cox, Joe Dumars, maybe even Vivek. He's been known to, you know, kind of go in there and rally the troops at times. So um somehow some way maybe there was a an interdepartment memo that went out where it's like hey guys uh maybe that that moment where i've always said everyone's available maybe they put out something saying hey guys we're gonna do what's best for this team and just don't be surprised to start hearing your names and conversations so uh, i thought he kind of opened up the curtain a little bit i didn't think it was just a passing comment because we've never heard anybody talk about any kind of veiled threat about their job being on the line. And I think it was, it was refreshing to hear that.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's where we're at. I mean, they, you know, no one should feel safe. I mean, like I would say like 15 or 16 of these players shouldn't like renew their lease. Like if <laughs> like that many of the 17, I think there might be one and it might be Ty, and it's the straight shooter. It's the guy that Uh, has no problems taking it on, but it was also shown that he cares and he wants to be good and he's as frustrated as anyone else. And, and to be honest, that question that, that I shot at Ty, Mm -hmm. that was coming to whoever was there. I mean, I asked the same question to Alvin and I asked the same question to De'Aaron. I asked the same question to all three of them. Mm -hmm. And if Harrison Barnes would have been there, he would have got it. If Rashawn Holmes would have been there, he would have got it. I don't care who it was you're getting that because I, I, at this point, again, I think that's the question that you deserve to answer that, that they deserve to answer that they have to answer at this point. And so like, I even asked Ty last night, if, uh, if a game like the Portland loss can, can actually be a driving force. I, I said, I know you guys lost, but the effort was way better uh, against the Cavs. And he said, yeah, it was a slap to the face. He's like, but why we need to be slapped to the face all the time. I just don't know. I like right he's being super honest about it and, and i get it um and, and you know again the the calves trashed the kings last time they played them like they used mm-hmm. their size to an advantage i thought number one we could have seen a lot more of Ty uh against the Cavs because he kept getting Laurie market him like in space and just like abuse him that same with fox same with buddy there was always a big man guarding the perimeter they they had no chance to stay in front of the kings and that's especially with, uh, with Isaac Okoro out, that's a problem for the Cavs. You know, you can't have this, this, you know, spectacular perimeter defender dancing around making changes. Um, but I think that there was also some good and, um, you know, Sean and I were talking about this before, uh, we, we always do Tuesday over reactions, uh, which I, I think we there, right, Sean, it's Sean's favorite segment. My favorite. Tuesday overreactions with Sean Cunningham. <laughs> um, and I think the biggest uh, the biggest thing I think Sean, we act to we have to actually hold like like a small amount of like uh, like a symposium here and explain the Nemeas Kata situation because I, I don't like this is not a trajectory like foosh, he's he's now a starter or boom, he's going to be in the rotation from here on out. Um, but, man, Namias Kato, was, he was fun to watch, Sean. He was sure was. He was fun to watch. He was fun to watch. He got his first extended look what he played, 26 minutes, 11 points, five rebounds. Um, he had at least one or two steals. He had an assist. Uh, he held his own. He ran, I think, a plus eight in, in a game that you lost, uh, even if you only lost by one he played in the final three minutes of the game, like to have a guy come up from the G league and actually play like closing minutes over Alex Len. I thought was stunning. Like overall, like just what, what are your impressions?
1: That dude is so big. And when I, I, it was fun, it was fun because I was just curious. I had to ask him, I was like, have you ever played in a game where you're going up against three other seven footers? And, and I I felt like I should have known if he had, but he's like, oh, no, God, like, no, that's never happened. He said, I and, don't think anyone has. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's like, what are they doing? <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, no, it was really cool because, you know, he, he showed that he belonged. And I don't know that I would have been able to say that at any point this season. And he showed, I didn't expect him to play that, that much, even with this anomaly of a roster that Cleveland puts out there. A- and not only did he show he belonged he was impactful he really disrupted some of those guys now granted jared allen made him look foolish a, a, a ton of times i like, there was an education mm-hmm. and that's fine like that's we expect that like he's not the qu- fleetest the quickest of, f- of foot um J- jared allen kind of took advantage of all the king's bigs last night uh but yeah i mean it was great to have him see that type of scenario i'm i'm Really? I mean, look, if, if Alvin Gentry has talked about, well, I'm going to go with guys that are going to show level of compete and, you know, I'm going to, this was an example of that. Alex Lynn was God awful last night. Uh, I mean, he, he was horrible. I he looked was, at you at one point point. I said, what is he doing on the floor? He was like three of 12 from the field or
0: something. A- and I just chuck just chucking Sean. I, in what universe does Alex Lynn
1: take, take 12 shots? You, you know, sit Alex, them all down and you're like, no, it was, it was Harrison Barnes. We wanted to see shoot more, not Alex Len. (laughs) Yeah. And and, you know,
0: Sean, like, I mean, I'm going to segue, I'm not going to segue. I'm going to, I'm going to bring up a a point, a tangent here. Is it just me or do the Kings not understand that there's a reason why Alex Len is allowed to shoot 12 times. There's a reason why Chemezi Metu is allowed to shoot 10 times. There's a reason why Davion Mitchell is shooting 10, 11, 12 times a game. Um, It's because the opposition wants those players to shoot the ball and not the other
1: Kings players. But it's like, also, but it's also James, it's something I talked about last year. The audacity that 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 Terrence Davis could come in midseason and and lead your team in shooting in, in shooting attempts. Like, I'm like, why does this guy come in and take the shots that these guys won't? I mean, you're right. The defense does want them to take those shots. I get that. But it's also like we're watching Harrison Barnes pass these shots all the time. Anton. Like there was a, there was a yeah. moment where last night I said, this is an example of being unselfish to a point. Like their unselfishness of trying to get other guys involved. They're like, no, we want Harrison, take the ball, penetrate, drive, get to the free throw line, do what you're going to do. And he finally chucks a three and he nails it. It's like, that's yes. It circled around so many times, finally comes back after a second opportunity. And it's like, and I don't know, like the, there's just something in the, within these guys where they're just having, trying to be the unselfish player but not realizing that, no, you, at the end of the day, you need to take 12 to 15 shots a game, not Alex Len.
0: <laughs> well, that and like Harrison Barnes. He had a moment in the second quarter. He went to the free throw line four separate occasions in a minute and 11. Mm. So he had eight free throws. He went six of eight, mm-hmm. but that's it. He finished right. six of eight. Like, where was that aggression again? Why didn't you go continue to do that? Because every time you get fouled, that means that there's one more team foul. Like, you're getting a team in foul trouble. You're, you're getting big men in foul trouble. That team was lean beyond the, the big, gigantic three that they put out there. Um, and so, again, I, I just think that they're, the lack of like being in the moment and understanding the, the concept of what's happening and, and how to be successful, mm-hmm. it just like the inability to embrace success – even within games, within quarters, within moments, like they don't have an ability to do it. And, and I don't know what makes this team so uh, fragile compared to others. So let's let's get back to Nemi. Um, so the good people of Portugal. This is good <laughs> the good people of Portugal. I love you, first and foremost. You guys are amazing. I, my, uh, my Twitter feed has been nothing but pandemonium for the last like 24 hours. It's, it's fun to watch. I'm all in on you guys enjoying this and and fully taking this in, which you should be celebrating your guy, the first uh, player from Portugal in the history of the NBA just had his first real run, his first basket, everything. It was amazing. Super excited for you. You have to understand though, that this is the NBA and what Nemi got was a taste of what he needs to do to get better And there's going to be a time where he goes right back to the G league and he starts putting up 20 something points. But what you're going to see is Nemi is going to go from here at the G league level to here at the G league level. And he's going to take this monumental jump because he just figured out what it looks like and what it feels like at the next level. And he's going to, he will be the first to tell you, I need to step it up. I need to, I need to be more athletic. I need to be more agile. Um, I need to be more forceful. I think the fun thing that we saw Sean was that there was a point when he started to get comfortable and he started trying to catch a body and it was like, Oh, he's trying to make posters. And that was just the confidence level just kept rising. Um, But like just the overall play, I think he had the, uh, the one pick and roll play. First of all, I thought he was brilliant on defense, even if he He, gave up a couple of buckets.
1: He was very effective defensively, especially for a team that has an inability to, to defend the pick and roll. Like he clogged the lane. It was great. How
0: a G leaguer can come up a guy with no games played really in the NBA. Who's got what, like eight minutes combined before that can step on the court and look better than any of their other bigs in the defensive sets instantly. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you there. That doesn't make any sense, but clearly he looked like he had more understanding of the defensive schemes. He said better picks than anyone that we've seen all season long with the Kings. He knows some, how to move. Some
1: absolutely flattened some people. <laughs> Poor Kevin oh, Love got absolutely
0: annihilated, but he needed to do that to Kevin Love because Kevin Love on the other end had just mm-hmm. punked them. And you needed to see that like lay somebody out. That's fine with me. Like show that you're tough show that you right. want to be there. And so I, I thought that the the tip out on the pick and roll was amazing. And then the, the other things that I don't think people always notice He put a body on a man every single time when the ball went up for the opposition and he screened out a huge portion of the, the court and allowed his teammates to come in and get one rebound after another, after another, because he was blocking out his man and others because he's a huge man. And I I thought that that was the other thing. He really was impactful. Although he only had five rebounds he was incredibly impactful as a rebounder because he cleared out the lane for everyone else to just go in and get easy ones.
1: The thing I want to see going forward, though, because he every time you talk to him, it's, well, it's just basketball. Like, he doesn't get, you know, it, it, but that, I'm, the point of him saying it's just basketball is like, yes, Nimi, it is just basketball. And unfortunately, your teammates, there's a significant amount of your teammates that don't understand that. Like they take something very simple and they complicate the shit out of it. And you don't, you, you don't. And he doesn't and Ty
0: doesn't. Yes.
1: I mean, these are the guys that absolutely get it. Mo Harkless to a degree is kind of on that same rope where he understands that my movement here impacts the movement over here. And anything I do on the floor here impacts what goes on over on this side. And it's, it's this understanding. It's, it comes with being a vet in the league, which these two people aren't, but Mo Harkless is. Um, Mo isn't the most talented guy in the world, so we, we, we obviously know his shortcomings. But the fact that there's an understanding of good basketball, look, I would put Tristan Thompson in that group. They understand the what good basketball looks like. Now, sometimes you can't go out and execute it. But your shortcomings paired with these other players that don't understand what good basketball is, just leaves you with a heap of crap (laughs) you know and that's what it ends up coming out as and that's what's so refreshing about a guy like Nimi who has had a good stretch in college it's and he showed an understanding he shows that he's a very intelligent intelligent high basketball IQ person I agree Uh, that's what that's what just leaps off the page he understands spacing he understands that he's so damn big that he needs to impose people. Um, and look, you know, it wasn't Alvin Gentry's is hundred percent, right? The dude is incredibly raw even still, uh-huh. but even the littlest things that he did impacted his team in a positive way. And we just haven't seen a lot of that. And so it, it jumped off the page last night. I don't think they should shy away from using him again. honestly, at this point, I know this could be the overreaction that we're looking for on Tuesday. Tuesday, and I'm playing reaction. the part. I'm definitely playing the part because usually I'm saying, "Settle down, people, calm down." I want to see more Namias Kata. I really do. I actually do want to see Why more. Like, not? like again, I know you signed Alex Len, and I know you s- traded for Tristan Thompson. I was critical of both those moves, but now that we've seen what this ride the hot hand, so to speak see what it translates to a team like LA who's even a little bit smaller, right? We know this. I'm not saying play him 26 minutes, but some of those, some of those things he impacted, especially with the possibility of having Rashawn Holmes back, Rashawn's probably not going to be ready to go. No, maybe he will. Maybe he won't, but see, I would, I think you have enough equity within the game for what he brings to the table to put him out there for about eight minutes an eight minute stretch and say, is this going to be positive or negative? If he gets embarrassed, it's a quick hook, get him out of there. You know, like again, he got his food handed to him by Jared Allen. Jared Allen was just not the matchup for him. He just, you know, but he learned from it and he, yeah, like, he understood that, okay, this guy's a hundred times more quicker than I am. He just went right around me. That's fine. Throw Marvin on him, throw whatever you're going to do, what, however you're going to do it. You adjust, but his presence alone. And I used to harp on this last year with Hassan Whiteside, like Hassan Whiteside is what he is, but the, his impact in the game, much like when they talk about, oh, Buddy healed if he's not making his shots, even his presence alone is that decoy Hassan Whiteside standing in that lane is like, okay, well, we can't get points in the paint. What have they tried to do over these past two games, James? They've changed their defensive scheme to pack the paint. Be damn what's going on at the three-point line. And with with the Cavaliers, it's the perfect team to do so because they have three seven footers. Granted, Kevin Love had a looked like Kevin Love of old and was just draining threes. But against these teams, that's what they've done. They've given up so much points in the paint. It's been such an emphasis that these past two games with Portland and 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 Cleveland, it's a tough situation to do with no practice time. And they're like, All right, we're gonna pack the paint, we're gonna pack the paint. Who packs the paint better than Namias? that big body. So when you got the Lakers coming in on Wednesday, stay the course, do the same thing again. It doesn't have to be 26 minutes, but I do feel he's going to impact the game positively. And if, if Gentry's going to go to guys that not only impact the game positively, but, but you know, Hey, I don't care about the name on the back of the Jersey, then he has to play. And ordinarily, I would never say that because guys coming from the G league just aren't ready that, you know, and he, and Namias is not ready, but he does impact this, this, this small this small enough space of what they're trying to do that does have a positive impact on the game that I feel like you can do it. And to me, you can't roll the dice with Alex Len and, and, and hope that he's on one night or hope that he's going to be that guy one night. You know, it's just, it's, it just feels like you're just pushing the kicking the can down the road is all you're doing.
0: Yeah. I hear you kicking the can on the road. And, and I'll say this too. Uh, every time that Namias gets in a two man game, he sets a monster screen, but then he does something else that I think, is completely lacking. He explodes to the rim on on the roll. He wants the ball every time. He's not getting it, but he mm-hmm. wants it every time. And the fact is, when you like hit the gas and run at the rim, it draws the defense in and it clears the space for the guard. That's why you're supposed to roll hard to the rim. And I think right away we saw it. Like he's rolling hard. Do you know? Is he again the is of foot? No. Uh, but he's got soft hands, he can, he's got all kinds of finish moves around the rim, he's athletic enough that he is ready to you know, make a couple of posters, but I, I really think that he's got all kinds of skills, we're just seeing like the tip of the iceberg, so I, I think we're going to see him play in maybe this coming game, uh, because again, Rashawn Holmes has cleared health and safety, so in case we weren't clear about that, he cleared health and safety on Tuesday, uh, but he's doubtful against the Lakers and that's because he needs to go into reconditioning. And you got to remember that he had just got back off the eye injury and wasn't even ready to go like conditioning wise from that. So now we're looking at like almost a month that, that he's barely played at all. He's going to take a little bit of time to like get in game shape and get ready to play, uh, which I think is something that, you know, we've got to keep an eye on. Um, but you know, Damian Jones is still out uh, and, you you know, Tristan Thompson has some sort of leg injury that magically appeared. Um, and so I think that there's a possibility here that that Nemi will get to play at least one more game and, and potentially more, especially with the trade deadline coming up. If the trade deadline comes and goes and Tristan Thompson's still on the roster, I, I don't see like if you're not going to be a winning team, Tristan Thompson won't be on the roster very long. Right. Like that. He's a huge buyout candidate for this team. Uh, like if they don't make a move around the trade deadline, I would not expect him to make it to what is it? March 1st. He's got to be done by because there, again, there's no reason you've got Damian Jones. You've got Nemeas. You've got Alex. You've got Rashawn. Um, there's a lot of bigs on this team and there's no reason to carry them forward, especially if, if you don't think that you're going to have any shot at the playoffs, which, um, who knows, who knows what their this team is going to be like. Um, okay. We have gone through most of our, our content. Uh, for the day um, which brings us to the business of basketball
1: Sean, this is my favorite section
0: <laughs> this is sean's favorite. yeah um we we're discussing like again you're you've covered you know parts of 20 seasons i've covered parts of well i've covered the last 12 what is the most disappointing season that you've ever seen in sacramento uh God, like it's so hard I, I think we've talked about the the worst season, but like the most disappointing, like we talked about this once before, like I can't count my first season or my second season as the most disappointing season because the Kings literally had the lowest payroll in the NBA. They, they had such a minuscule pay. They, they had a $58 million payroll. Now the payroll's at 130 million. Um, and how much calendar, also was
1: it, how much also was it that it was kind of a new experience for you to where you're not looking at the season as in focus like you do now.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, that's probably part of it. Like I'll tell you this. I remember I was sitting courtside with Paul Westfall. It was just he and I and the Kings were facing the Utah jazz. I think it's my first season and the jazz had just had the situation where uh, Darren Williams like blew up the blew up the team behind the scenes. He blew up everything. And, um, and I think they had just traded him and got hardly anything back in return. And Jerry Sloan was standing there on the other sidelines. Uh, and, and again, it was in pregame. And I, I said to Paul, I'm like, man, you have to feel a little bit bad for, for Jerry that, you know, was one of his last seasons here in the league. Clearly, I actually, I, he left at the end of that season or at, like a week later. I don't even think he finished that season. He said, uh, I, I said, you got to feel bad for Jerry that he's kind of going out this way. And he goes, have you looked at my roster? <laughs> and i just i stopped i'm like oh yeah i guess you're right he's like yeah man i like my, half my roster is undrafted and and second round picks like half or more you know we're gonna have to sign a player just to get to the minimum like that's that's where they were and i hadn't thought about it so so you're right i, I think you're right i was a little uh just bright-eyed watching everything that was happening so i, I wouldn't consider a season like that the most disappointing because, you know, it's DeMarcus Cousins first season. It's Tyreek Evans second season. You know, the team is in flux or trying to figure things out, but uh, you know, they, they do a full blown like relocation attempt where they try to move the, the team to Anaheim. I mean, you didn't have time to really worry whether the basketball was good or not. It was a whirlwind season, but Sean, what is, what is your, uh, your worst? Well, you're most disappointed.
1: The most disappointing one. I mean, it's kind of a tie, and I don't think I realized it. I, I, it shouldn't be the most int- the most disappointing now. But in the moment, it felt like the most disappointing. And it was the O three O four 3 4 season. And it's the season when Chris Weber came back. You, some will argue he disrupted everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming back, the injury. They had 55 games won that year. Uh, and they lose in the conference semis 4-3 to the Timberwolves in Minnesota. And I remember that shot he put up. Being in Minnesota, seeing that shot he threw up uh, that – rimmed out like like did he hit that shot that would have been a whole that would have been a game changer and um it, it was just tough like it just there was a clunkiness to when he came back and then you know in the 0405 season we all know what happened you know you, they lose in the supersonics they traded him um they, but they you know that's a team that won 50 games that year and it's just it, there was a it, it, there was definitely a different feeling around there but I looking back on it, I just remember how disappointed I was that the team who won 55 games was out, and they went out this way, and the Timberwolves took it. I mean, they win the first round; they they beat the Mavs 4-1, and you know, maybe it's because the Mavs were at the end of their rope. They, you know, it wasn't what things had been. Um, things were going to be changing with them. You know, Dirk was certainly coming into his own, but like Weber was really good in that. I thought Weber was really good in that series. And decent in the Timberwolves series. Um, but it just wasn't the same. The magic that they may have had in the regular season just wasn't there. So uh, I thought, you know, everyone thought, I think, him coming back. I don't think they realized at the time how serious that knee was, what microfracture surgery is like for a player like him. And, yeah, it was, I mean, he was, he took forever to come back. And it, and it, I don't think they realized it at the time. So I feel like in the moment, that was probably the worst season. But I think the most disappointed, like I, I never felt like any of the teams that DeMarcus Cousins was on were playoff teams until um, that first season under Jaeger when they were chasing the Grizzlies. And that, to me, the year they traded DeMarcus, when they were within, I think, two games of of the Grizzlies at that point for eight, when they traded DeMarcus, like it was just like, okay, not only did they give up on the season at that point, um, they traded an all-star, and I didn't feel they got enough at the time. So that to me felt like a very underwhelming season, just because everything that they were gearing up for, I wanted to see it. I wanted to see this finally make a, this playoff run and see what they could do. Uh, and, and they, they aborted it. And um, I think it would have been a fun, fun series, fun, fun season to see finish out. I would have liked to see how those, that, those final games turned out.
0: Okay. So uh, all of those seem, and, and I'm going to throw a couple of things in number one, uh, may, may 8th, 2000. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. 2003 is a day that Weber takes a bad step and blows out his knee.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I was sitting in a hospital bed. My wife had just given birth to our first son who was born on <laughs> 2003. So I hope yeah. you never
1: let him forget that. Yeah. You, you just go to your kid. And you're just like, yeah.
0: So Toby, uh, Toby was born the day that Chris Weber blew out his knee and had to be, uh, carted off the court, helped off the court with, uh, what was it? Gerald Wallace on his side. Yeah, uh, Yeah. Uh, so number two, um, you talked about the, the biggest disappointment of a team. I'll say this. My biggest disappointing moment over my entire time of covering this team is the Sunday when they fired Michael Malone. Like, it was just the biggest oh, yeah. disappointing moment that was – I mean, it, it set in motion some of the, like, the darkest times – Um, and a run like it wasn't a short dark time, it was you know 18 months of dark time. That was the single greatest moment. But, John, I'm going to be honest with you this season. No, stop. No, it is. It's why it's the most disappointed that I've been with the team (laughs) because they can be bad, but they should not be this bad. Says who says the talent on the floor.
1: You, what talent?
0: Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you like last season. Is there an all star James? Is there an all star on this team? It's it's basically the same exact team from last season, right? Except for you added some depth all around them. It's it's a better roster. Last season's <laughs> roster won 33 games by like if you do the math, no 35 games. If you did the math, this team will be lucky to win 30 games. They're gonna be lucky. We've been in this situation 19 games under 500. I don't know what that is, mm-hmm. but they're going to be lucky what are they pacing for right now what are they at their win percentage is like 37 percent um 30 let's see 0.37 times 82 yeah they're on pace for 30.3 games um you know i've covered sub 30 point uh win games uh win seasons but like there should not be a reason for this team to be this bad and and it's it's so early that I think when you see a team quit this early, that's when I got a problem. And I know you're
1: smiling. You're thinking. I am. I feel like a Kool-Aid smile right now. Like, I feel like I'm a bust through a wall. No,
0: I'm not. uh, I'm not just. I I honestly believe that. I think that this season, the fact that they haven't done anything to improve the roster in a year and a half yet,
1: yet, yet.
0: no, I, I got it yet. But like you had an off season, you had, a trade deadline last year where you, you went out and you did like minor moves that that did improve the roster, but they improved a horrific roster to make it like slightly better, but still not good enough. And so I, I don't know, like to, to be honest with you, I expected Fox to be better this season. Um, I, you know, Halliburton has been better, but he's only been like this much better, not this much better. And he should be way better. I, you know, I think that Rashawn Holmes uh, missing like huge a huge chunk of the season has been a big disappointment. I think that the play of Harrison Barnes, what he showed in the first week of the season, two weeks of the season, you didn't need that. But what you can't have is what we see now, like it, like half the games a disappearing act. And I, I just think if you look at the team as a whole, the fact that Buddy Hill is still on the roster is a disappointment, <laughs> and, and that's. That's not just me saying, like, oh, no. I mean, Buddy Heald asked for a trade. The Kings tried to trade him. They still haven't traded him. Like, we're, we're getting to a point where games don't matter, and it's the first two weeks of January. And that's, you know, that is a 25-win season, like, in the past. And that's what this could turn into, because if you're pacing right now to win 30 games, and we haven't even got to the final 20 games of the season where you realize how bad you are and you have to cash it in and you stop trying to win. Now we could get to 27, 26 wins. And again, the talent, it's a 130 million dollar roster. You can't win if you you can't just go out and win 25 to 30 games with a 130 million dollar roster.
1: But is it? You know what I mean? Like it's a 130 million dollar roster, but is, is it? it?
0: Yeah. I I mean, I get that. I get that. And you know, you're going to shave a bunch off of that number next year when Marvin's gone and, and Tristan Thompson's gone. And maybe some of these other players will be gone. I don't know, but like just on paper, like the way that this season was supposed to play out, we're looking at the 2014, 15 season all over again.
1: They finally, they finally broke James. They broke me. They (laughs) broke you, bro. (laughs) We need to get James a vacation. Go it's away. Just a, you it's can a, a bad take team. A month off, a week it's a, off.
0: It's a bad team, man. It is. It's it a is a
1: bad team, team, but I don't. Yeah. That's my but that's I want to like shake baby syndrome you right now. Like, that's that's why you shouldn't be disappointed. They're they're a bad team. They're but, like this, <sighs> disappointment. Should be like, I had high expectations, and boy, you were oh, you were terrible. You fell short, you fell flat. Like you're blaming them for being exactly who we thought they were. No, <laughs> we didn't I didn't think I, I it, thought it would they be would,
0: this bad. I thought 35 was the minimum, but the chance to go to to like 500 was there. It like sure, was. it was. It, it should have been there. Like the chance I don't to know about It team. could. It could have. It could have. If you're able to win the equivalent of 35 games last season with the roster that you had, with literally like six players walking into the season with guys like Jabari Parker and, you know, again, you didn't, and Hassan Whiteside and Nemanja Bielitsa, and then like six dudes who were either second round picks or undrafted, Justin James and Daquan Jeffries. Like if you could win 35 games with that roster, and then you add the pieces that they added at the the deadline and brought back through free agency and with another draft pick and with Tyrese Halliburton having another year, Like there should have been building off of 25 and seven for Fox. And that doesn't mean he's got to go 27 and 10. It it means that he should be able to do 25 and seven every night because he knows that he can do it for, for a season. Now he needs to show you that it's not like this to get to 25 and seven. It's a steady, you know, that's who you're getting. That's not what we've seen. That's, Mm -hmm. you know, we haven't seen what we thought we would see. This huge step forward from Halliburton. We haven't seen, you know. Again, he's averaging 13 points a game. Like that's that's not where I would have projected that this team would have been. Um, and and I don't think we're asking too much that if you make some of the improvements that you made, and they are improvements, the roster is deeper. There's no question in my mind that it's deeper than it was last year. And sort and of, you and you can't of. pick up five or six more wins. Like that's not asking that much. And so like, if you're pacing for probably eight to 10 wins less than you should have had, that's a huge disappointment because most of the other seasons, Sean, we knew how bad they
1: were. We knew I, like, I, I would argue the same, like to me, yeah. it still feels like a bad basketball team. Like I said at best, they're 500. Well, they're not, no, they're not. They're, they're <laughs> still a ways from it. So yeah, there is disappointment. I'm with you there, James. Cause they're a bad team can still be a, excuse me, can still be a worse team. And there are things that come into play, but through 42 games now, I don't feel like this team is drastically different than what I thought they'd be. Because again, like you keep talking about depth, they're deep at certain positions, but it's not quality depth. You don't have quality depth on this roster. You just have people who play the position like, Hey, I need a seven footer. Do you? I mean, you got five of them. You could well, have, uh, I mean, five, seven
0: footers, but five centers.
1: The difference is the Cavs have three, seven footers who can freaking play. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the Kings don't have that. They don't like, they no, have guys you. that, that it's, it's patchwork. So it's like, again, you just manage the expectations. To me, it's a double down on what they did last year. Again, a team that wasn't very good. They showed that, oh, all of a sudden we mat, we address some of our, uh you know, toughness, physicality, sure. And then you traded one of those guys who was probably the best at it for a guy who, in DeLon, right? You traded him. Yeah. Um, for And you made the Atlanta Hawks better. Not to say that he was like, that was like your, again, that didn't derail your team, but it was, I just, I, I don't see where people think you do have a talented group of players. You don't have a talented team by any stretch of I, agree. I,
0: I agree I agree that the the pieces are 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 greater than the sum of the whole, or whatever it is like like they the players should be better than than they are playing together and, yeah. and and I don't know how else to say that they they just to me like even moderate expectations should not have been this low
1: you have to save them from yourselves because again what you're doing is in a lot of ways devaluing them you know like like you're showing that this people, these, some of these people have paper hearts <laughs> that they don't have yeah. a competitive fire. Some of them don't even maybe like the game of basketball, you know, which is, you just maybe kind of good at it. They, and a lot of them just are playing positions that they shouldn't be playing. Like you're forced to be doing something that a good team wouldn't have you do, but you have to have them do it by necessity. So <laughs> Um, it, it it sucks like again like i get the disappointment there's things that you can't account for i thought they'd be a more competitive team a more prideful team um and they show spurts they just don't show it consistently enough again things they can control they can control to run fast and they don't and that's
0: uh, i you're mean stacking up all the disappointments man yeah I, and I, I get and, what and, you're saying they're the worst defensive team they're not the worst defensive team but you know, even like that, like the Alvin Gentry era, like this team was—it's horrible. They were number eight in offensive rating during the uh, the Luke Walton era here at, of this season. They're now twenty-first in the NBA. They're a bad mm-hmm. offensive team. Yeah. They were—they—they've been one of the slowest teams in the league in pace over the last like twenty games.
1: Like, and it's they just... one thing—it's one thing to be bad defensively, like we get that. But the one thing you've shown the ability to do is score the basketball. So do it like, and to be at a team where you're struggling to get a hundred every night, that that's, that's insane to me. That's just, that is insanity. You know? Um, I mean, it's
0: an Alvin Gentry team that can't score a hundred points.
1: So that's what I mean. There's
0: just, to me, there are so many things that make this disappointing. I think that coming into uh, the first year of Walton, when the Kings had 30, what, 38, 39 wins under, um, under Jaeger. Mm-hmm. And there was like, man, there's some excitement coming into the next season. Um, that, that was disappointing just the way that, but you saw it really quick that, Oh man, that was smoke and mirrors that, that Dave did a really, really, really good, good job. Coaching yeah, job.
1: Man. He's a really good coach.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that was all smoke and mirrors. And it uh, reminds me, I need to check in with, with, uh, with our friend, Dave, Um, and see how he's doing uh you know in in his battle um all right sean so uh a couple of things let's 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 do some business uh number one thank you to everyone who came out for the king speed happy hour i don't know about you guys but i think it was a good time uh and it went way long Uh, i i felt like the
1: designated driver by the way yeah because i could not i could not imbibe
0: sean it was two hours and 45 minutes long it didn't feel that
1: way it didn't to me um but you know it was a lot of fun it was cool to see the faces of the people who want to listen to the garbage that we talk every week and it (laughs) and it's uh it it is cool because these are it would that was especially I think like kind of like a therapy session for some people and it was kind of fun it was like a good it was a good break in this monotonous of season
0: yeah and I think the questions were were great I, I think it was really cool we had like well over sixty people in in the chat like for most of the night. I know Amic at one point even said, "Wow, like no one has left." We're at like fifty eight people. If anyone had left, it was like two or three people who clearly had other things to do, and and that's fine. Um, but I think we're gonna keep doing those just so everyone knows that's that is like the biggest thing that we can offer as a premium add on um, without just locking random content for no reason. And so I think it makes a ton of sense to do that as like a really cool add on for, for being a premium subscriber to the Kings beat. Um, And, you know, next month we'll, we'll do the same thing and we'll bring in uh, another guest. I thought Amick was great. Um, Some amazing stories, just the way he came up in the the league and how things have changed so much. I think all of that stuff was just incredible content. Uh, We gave you some top secret stuff that normally, well, we do on the happy hour because uh, James has been drinking and if Sean's been drinking and uh, (laughs) Sam is like, yeah, I got to watch what I do on those happy hours. Um, so I, I think like you got some cool insight into, you know, some of the crazy things that we've seen and, and that we know. Um, so again, become a premium subscriber to the King's beat in order to get that, uh, we're going to do the first week of, of March, just like, uh, I think we, we did this week. I mean, of February, Uh, just like we did this month. Um, But we're going to have to be cautious about trade deadline because I think this is going to be a little crazy. Um, So we're going to make- It should be. Yeah, it should be for sure. Um, And then uh, outside of that, um, you know, we're in this time where, you know, I know everyone, Scott Moak missed time um, in health and safety protocols. Our, Our friend Gary Gerald has missed time in health and safety protocols. Both of those are doing great. Um, but I'm going to throw a shout out to our friend, Scott Freshour, who is not out due to health and safety protocols. He's had a, a tragic event in the family. I'm just going to leave it at that, um, but send a lot of well wishes to Scott Freshour. He's an incredible MC who's done stuff for the NBA now for years because he's one of the best in the business. He's a very, very good dude, um, and he's going through uh, a tough time. So uh, big, big love. Go out to Scott Freshour um do you have any final final thoughts there sean
1: no i mean you hit it right on the nose and i would say even take it a step further shout out to the people that are you know filling the roles that some of those people had left behind i mean they did i think they did a pretty incredible job um you know they there wasn't a it wasn't what you were used to but it wasn't clunky and it didn't uh it, it didn't uh, the wheels didn't fall off the wagon so to speak for a lot of the things that um, that could have when, you know, you, you're accustomed to either hearing on the radio, seeing in a broadcast, seeing in your game night, ex- ex- uh, experience. I think a lot of those kind of kept on going and it was a little bit different, but it, it, it worked also. So kudos to those people stepping in and filling in.
0: The show must go on Sean. as they say that's right. Yeah. The show must go on. Um, all right. Well, again, thanks for tuning into the King's beat podcast uh it's been a wild run and hopefully we see better basketball and hopefully the kings can snap their five game losing streak Um, and hopefully
1: we can see some guys get out of town yeah new new blood new blood some
0: some, uh one-way tickets out uh that would be nice to see so uh we got a game on wednesday and we'll be back on thursday for another episode of the kings beat podcast so for sean cunningham i am james ham thanks for tuning in see you very soon